2017, Dawn Brooke became the oldest verified mother to conceive naturally and give birth to a child. Dawn gave birth to her son at the ripe old age of, what do you think? How old? 72. 72? Who else? 64. 64. Who else? That's close. 60. 50. 67. <laughs> this is Maddox. Maddox's kind of game. He likes that. 59 years old. Now, there have been older mothers, but they weren't conceived naturally. The child wasn't conceived naturally. Uh, another older mother on record is Ruth Alice Kistler. And Miss Kistler gave birth to a daughter at the spry old age of 57 years old. But today, in an effort to teach us how faith works, Paul recalls one of the greatest miracles in all the Bible. I'm referring to the birth of Isaac and you might say, well, what makes the birth of Isaac so special? Well, his daddy was 100 years old, and his mama was 90, 90 years old. So compared to Sarah, Isaac's mom, uh, Don Brooke and Ruth Kistler were like teenagers, uh, 90 years old, giving birth to a son. And all throughout this chapter in Romans chapter 4, uh, we find that Paul has been relating the faith of Abraham to how men and women are saved by faith today. Now he's going to tell us what kind of faith Abraham had. It was simply a, a faith in what God said. He placed all of his trust in the promises that God made. It came down to trusting that what God said... He was going to do. We need to have that same kind of faith. It came down to Abraham's faith in God's promises. If you would, turn to page 1002 and the Bible's in front of you. If you didn't bring your Bibles. But in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, let's see what Paul said, what kind of uh, faith Abraham had. Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, say believed, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken by God, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was already about a hundred years old, and the deadness of his wife Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God promised, God was also able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now here's the good news for you today. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. Did y'all hear that? Also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. 
Now, I want to direct your attention to a few truths. First of all, I want you to see that Abraham's faith was well-placed. First of all, let's see the direction of Abraham's faith. Verse 20 says clearly that Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. In other words, he did not vacillate between what could be and what wouldn't be. He did not falter. He did not uh, create an indecisive mind because of what he thought was possible and what was impossible. It simply means that Abraham believed. He believed without reservation that God would and God was able to keep his word. Now, we know that God supernaturally caused Abraham and Sarah to have a son named Isaac when she was uh, 90 years old. All the while, though, throughout the whole waiting period, Abraham was directing his faith toward God even when it seemed what God promised was totally impossible. That's the call of the believer today. Here is the bottom line. Are you ready for the bottom line? Do you believe God or not? That's the bottom line to this message today. Do you believe what God said or don't you? Do you believe that God keeps his promises or don't you? Whether it's being saved or any other area of your life, listen carefully, the results of your faith will always be determined by the direction of your faith. Everybody places their faith in something or someone. But faith in God is always a faith that will be rewarded. You can put your faith in me. You can put your faith in a family member. You can put your faith in the president. You can put your faith in anything or anyone if you want to. But the only faith that will reap rewards eternally is faith in God. We need to understand that. That is the direction of Abraham's faith. Let me draw your attention also to the duration of Abraham's faith. How long did Abraham have to wait for God's promise to be revealed? Well, we know last week, we studied in Genesis chapter 12, that the promise was first given to Abraham when he was 75. God gave him the promise that he would have a son when he was 75 years old. But in Genesis 17, God reiterated the promise. And at that time, Abraham was 99. So how long did he have to wait? 24 years so far. Listen to what Genesis 17 says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai, Almighty God. And I want you to walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant, my promise is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Now remember, he's 99 years old. The boy's about to kick. Amen? All right? But God says... As for you, you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, because you don't have any kids, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham means father of a multitude. So at age 99, 
I would think that Abraham said, God, I don't think you really understand my situation. I'm 99 years old. It's just a little bit impossible for me to have a son. But Abraham's faith did not falter. Friends, listen, he tirelessly trusted in the promises of God. And Paul tells us that Abraham believed God in verse 18. But what you need to know about that word believe is that's not some casual mental assent. He didn't say, okay, God, sure. Okay? He believed. That word believed suggests that Abraham believed God when he made the promise, but he kept on believing until that promise was fulfilled. The whole time, the whole 25 years, he continued to believe. Friend, that is the kind of faith that moves mountains. The faith that believes and keeps on believing in God. I encourage you. Friend, if you've been waiting for the promise of God to be manifested in your life, if you've been waiting and you wonder, God, how much longer have I got to wait? I want you to know that he has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. And if God made you a promise, then I want you to know today, you can count on that promise being fulfilled, listen, in his time. In God's time. Friend, don't give up. Your answer, the fulfillment of that promise, might be right around the corner. Don't despair, but trust in the Lord. Friend, he will bring that promise to pass. So God has shown us the, the direction of Abraham's faith, and he showed us the duration of Abraham's faith. 25 years the boy had to wait. Amen? He waited and he waited. He kept on believing until the promise was fulfilled. But now I want you to see the sheer determination of his faith. There are three things, three truths that I want to share with you about the faith of Abraham. And these truths should encourage me and you. They should encourage us to live our life depending on God. To live your life depending on God. Number one, Abraham refused to listen to reason. In verse 18, Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. That phrase, contrary to hope, it means Contrary to what seemed obvious, 99-year-old men don't have babies. Amen? 90-year-old women don't give birth anymore. Amen? So contrary to what seemed obvious, hoping against hope, Abraham focused on the one greater than himself. He didn't focus on the obvious. He focused on the one who made the promise. Had he focused on his circumstances? Had he focused on his walker? Amen? Had Sarah focused on her walking stick? You know, things might have been different. He would have, he and she would have reason to doubt. I mean, think about it if it was you. Think about it if it was me. And God made that promise to you. He said, Billy, we're going to have a baby. I know you're 90 years old, but you don't have a baby. You know what I would say? God, I'm just too old for that. 
I'd say, God, look at my 90-year-old wife. She's a little shriveled up now. She's too old. Amen? Uh, you might say, God, we have been trying to have a baby for so long. What's different now? might say, I mean, think about it, God. Let's get real. It's just a little bit impossible, isn't it? It's just a little impossible. But apparently, Abraham refused to dwell in the negative. He looked at his wife and said, honey, we're getting ready to have a baby. <laughs> we're going to have a baby. Can you imagine what those two old geezers were doing as they were preparing to have a baby? Dr. Ray Pritchard gives this possible chronology of the 25 years between when the God gave the promise and 25 years later when Abraham received the promise. It goes something like this. At age 76, uh, Abraham and Sarah go to Walmart and they buy him a crib. Amen. At age 78, uh, Abraham and Sarah get together and they Google boys' names. Amen. Uh, at age 80, Abraham and Sarah uh, get together and they go to eBay and order a lifetime supply of super absorbent pampers. Amen. At age 85, uh, Abraham goes hunting while Sarah's friends throw her a baby shower. Amen. First, uh, in, at age 86, uh, Abraham says, you know, the baby's part of the tent uh, needs some wallpaper. So he puts some wallpaper up and the baby's part of the tent. At age 90, Abraham and Sarah subscribe to New Parent Magazine. Amen. At age 93, Abraham and, ha and Sarah uh, start Lamaze classes together. Amen. At age 96, Abraham hops on his camel and takes a practice run to the hospital. And then at age 98, Abraham packs the suitcase and he sets it by the door of the tent. But at age 99, Abraham scratches his head and he said, God, were you just kidding? Amen. Listen, did Abraham doubt? Was he a human being? I got news for you. Yep. Abraham doubted. I mean, think about it, y'all. Did he doubt? Yeah, he doubted. He was only a human being. But here's the key. He acted on his belief. Does that even make sense? He doubted, but he acted on his belief. See, here's what we need to know today. Faith is not 100% certainty. Otherwise, it would be called certainty. Faith is belief mixed with unbelief. But it's action taken on the belief. It's acting in belief. When you act on God's word in spite of your doubts, that is faith. That's real faith. When it doesn't look like it's possible, when it's crazy to believe it, but you act by faith in God's promise, that is faith. And how many of you know it can be a battle sometimes to keep believing in spite of your doubts? 
It can be a real struggle because there will be doubts and there will be times when you want to give in to those doubts. But real faith never, ever gives up. It keeps acting on faith. It always rests in knowing that God has made a promise. He has made a promise and God will do what he's promised to do. So Abraham refused to listen to reason. But Abraham also refused to look at reality. Do you know that Abraham also refused to lose his reward? Look in verse 20. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. The glory, giving glory to God, was the reward. That was the blessing. See, Abraham had lived 25 years. He knew one day, one day God was going to give him a child, was going to give them a child. He trusted God, and he absolutely refused to let go of that promise. Now, I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you need from God today. But if you have a promise in the matter, I want to challenge you to be strengthened in your faith and to act by belief. Act in faith in the promises of God. Because your faith glorifies God, and that's why you were created. You were created to glorify God. So let us act then in faith. Let us put some, some feet to our prayers. Let us put some feet to our faith, and let us glorify God that way. So Abraham refused to listen to reason. He refused to look at reality and refused to lose his reward. But I also want to show you here today that Abraham's faith was not only well-placed, it was also well-pleased. Abraham was pleased with the promise of God. Look in verse 21. And being fully convinced that what God promised, he was convinced of the promises of God. Abraham was able to place his faith in the promise of God because he knew that the promise that God made was as good as the God that he worshipped. The promise was as good as God. He made it, and it's good as God. He simply took the Lord at his word. He praised God for the answer. Listen, even though he couldn't even see it yet, he knew Isaac was coming. He knew the promise would be fulfilled. Friend, that is faith. And that's the kind of faith that pleases God. All I can say to you today is that in every area of your life, we need to learn to simply trust the Lord. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but we need to get to the place of realizing that God is as good as his word. He doesn't make arbitrary promises. And the promises that he makes, he keeps. God will do all that he's promised to do. It's just that clear. But not only was Abraham pleased with God's promise, he was also pleased with God's performance. Look there at the end of verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. See, Abraham knew that what God promised to do, God could do. What God promised he would do, he was able to do. He didn't tell God how big his problem was. He told his problem how big his God was. Amen? 
He did not tell uh, God how impossible this is. He told the impossible that who God was. Amen. And we need to be in that same habit. I'm telling you, friend, I'm telling you, when you can't count on anybody else, you can count on God. Because God never, say never, he never breaks his promises. You can count on God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 18, after Abe and Sarah fell to the floor laughing at the notion of having a baby when she was 90 years old, God told Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? God said that to Abraham. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He went on to say, at the appointed time, you shall have a son. What a word. God is as good as his word. And God is able to keep his promises. But Abraham was also pleased with God's plan. Check this out in verse 22. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's the plan of God. God's plan for Abraham is the same plan he's got for us. Same plan. It wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. This is recorded for us too. For our benefit. Did you see it there in verse 24? Also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. If we believe in him who raised up the Lord, that same righteousness is accounted to our sin debt as well. I think you would believe, agree with me that believing in the resurrection is hard to believe in. That's something that takes faith. Would you agree? Believing in that somebody can rise from the dead, is that tough? Takes a little faith? Amen? Takes a lot of faith. I mean, how many of you have personally witnessed somebody being raised from the dead? Anybody? Nobody. So it's going to require faith. It's going to require that you trust God. It's going to require that you believe the God who made the promise. He said that Jesus would rise from the dead, and he did. And it's going to require faith on our part to believe that. We trust God who made the promise. And we trust God when he says that everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. That's the promise of God. Friend, if your faith is in anything else other than the Lord Jesus today, it's a misplaced faith. And your faith is in something. It's in something today. Is your faith in the promise of God? I pray you can say it is. Abraham's faith was not only preserved as a promise, it was also preserved as a person. A person. In verse 25, Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. You see, the whole promise boils down to one person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the central focus of every single promise in this book. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one through whom all nations of the world will be blessed. Jesus is the one who paid our sin debt by dying on the cross. 
Jesus is the one who conquered our fear of death by rising from the grave. Jesus is the focus of our faith. And friends, I want to just tell you that our faith stands on two great pillars. Two great pillars of truth. And they are this. One, Jesus died to pay the penalty of our sin. You've heard this all your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you receive, and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast to that word which I preach to you, unless, unless, whoop, My fan blew my pages. There we go. Unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the Bible. And that he was buried and that he rose again according to the Bible. But that's only the first pillar. That Christ died for our sins. There's a, a second pillar, and that is he arose from the dead to prove his victory over death. And friend, you need to put this verse in the bank. Because in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, and you're saved. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for, all this, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, if you can believe that, if you can believe those two pillars of truth, with the totality of your faith, the Bible says you can be saved. But if you can't believe it, if you can't place your faith in those two pillars, then there's only one alternative for you. That is eternal separation from God in a place of indescribable torment. Friends, with all the honesty that your heart possesses, can you truly say that you are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone with your soul's salvation? Paul's conclusion to this whole matter makes it clear that nothing else or no one else can save you. Salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, period. Abraham believed and he was saved. It wasn't works, it wasn't rituals, it wasn't religion, it wasn't the law. It was God's word alone, by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. With a big old period at the end of that sentence. It was faith then, and it's faith now. So my question for you during this decision time is this. Where is your faith? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone to save you? Is your faith like Abraham's? Are you satisfied that Jesus paid that debt for you? 
Or are you still trying to work real, real hard to earn it for yourself? I pray that's not the case. Let me pray for you. Our Father God, we praise you and thank you so much for the simplicity of the gospel. But Lord, while the gospel good news is simple, Father, it can be difficult at times. Because it means that we have to humble ourselves. We have to put self aside. We have to take self off the throne of our lives and place Jesus 